Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 180. Today's episode is all about inner bonding, a powerful way to resolve our own inner conflict. Anybody can learn this process if they want to, that it's, it's such a life-changing process. Yes, it takes practice, but it's, it's, not, it's not that hard to learn. And it's just so worth it. It's so life-changing when people really decide that they want to learn to love themselves. And to be able to share love is, to me, the highest experience in life. And we can't share love if we're not filled up with love. And we get filled up with love when we learn to love ourselves. So, you know, if you want to have loving relationships, it's essential that you learn to love yourself. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, loves. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit that little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts are a great way to give back if you find the show helpful. And they help the show climb the charts, which helps me get you even better guests. Well, today I want to read a review from Jen Roxit from Canada. She says, thank you, thank you, thank you. I stumbled upon this podcast series while in search of some enlightenment and mindfulness. I couldn't have found a better place to stop. Needless to say, I am addicted. I love how you break down your segments, ask the questions that I feel like I literally telepathically sent to you, and I love your curiosity for the unknown. I too am seeking much more than physical, and the episode where David was channeling literally brought me so much clarity, and I thank you and David so much for that. Keep up the great work, Melissa. You've got a daily listener in me. Well, Jen, you are my new favorite person this week, so thank you so much for that review. And now it's time for the meat of the episode. Well, I'm vegan, so the tempeh of the episode. (laughs) I'll see myself out. What are you carrying around in your baggage? Most people don't realize just how much unresolved emotional pain that they carry around every day. They don't know why they always feel depressed or anxious or victimized or disappointed. And they wonder why they keep making the same self-sabotaging impulsive decisions. Well, these patterns usually stem from neglecting your inner child, which carries around all these false beliefs that have been playing on repeat since childhood. So where do these beliefs come from? Well, they might stem from a childhood experience of abuse, maybe neglect or trauma, but they show up in adulthood as things like explosive anger or isolation, bad relationship choices, negative self-talk, feelings of being overwhelmed or being a people pleaser or not letting people in at all. But trauma doesn't always have to result from something big like abuse or neglect. It can actually stem from a time when your mom snapped at you in a moment of exhaustion or a time you were picked on in school or maybe when a coach or a teacher didn't believe in you. When we're kids, our minds are kind of like sponges. Our brains don't have the full capacity to reason or discern truth which makes sense, hence being fully on board with a man flying all around the world delivering presents in one single night, 
or a fairy sneaking into your bedroom to hoard teeth, or a bunny that lays eggs. <laughs> so when someone tells us something about ourselves, or we experience something that tells us about ourselves, we have a tendency to seal that into our brains as absolute truth. And if you're like most people, you might let that belief go untouched. And then that belief drives your life. It can affect what you feel you're capable of, how you deal with relationships, the way you talk to yourself, that inner voice. But if you don't acknowledge your inner child or you abandon that part of yourself, it usually leads to some sort of self-destructive tendency that could show up like low self-worth, codependence, addiction, shame, powerlessness, withdrawal from relationships, <laughs> also known as the entirety of my 20s. Well, I thought that when I decided to have a baby, my inner child wouldn't sound like such a, a child, I guess. I assumed that she'd probably grow up a bit. Nope, hasn't happened yet. <laughs> She's not quite as present as she once was, but when she comes around, she makes herself known, I'll tell you that. But the more I learn and grow and pay attention to her, the more compassion that I have for her. Or really, the more compassion I have for myself. She gets more integrated into my whole being instead of just taking over. But I've also found that new levels bring new monsters. So when I deal with a new kind of hardship or even sometimes when I level up, I'm brought a new set of complexities that I have to learn to overcome. So it's helpful to have a repeatable process instead of going in totally blind every single time. Well, today I am bringing you that process and it is called inner bonding. Inner bonding is the process of connecting our adult thoughts with our instinctual gut feelings, those feelings of the inner child, which is a super powerful way to learn to resolve your own inner conflict. And our guest today is Margaret Paul. She's a best-selling author and popular mind-body greenwriter and co-creator of the powerful inner bonding self-healing process. And she's even appeared on Oprah. Three key things we will learn are what self-abandonment is and how it affects our relationships the different parts of the self and how to heal them, and the six steps of inner bonding. And now let's welcome Margaret Paul to the show. Thank you. So what is your story and how did you get to a place of discovering what you call inner bonding? Well, like so many people, I grew up in a dysfunctional home with narcissistic parents. And when I was five years old, my mother took me to a psychiatrist because, of course, all my problems were my fault, not hers. And the psychiatrist was so bad that at that time at five, I decided that I could do a better job than him. And that's <laughs> when I decided to do this work. And I got my doctorate in psychology and I worked as a traditional psychotherapist for 17 years. And I just was not happy with traditional psychotherapy. I worked with many clients over those years. And so that's when I started to pray for a process that would really work, actually work work faster, deeper for people. People could learn to do it on, on their own. They wouldn't always have to go rushing to their therapist every time something came up. And that's when I met my best friend and co-creator of Inner Bonding, Dr. Erica Chopich. She had half the Inner Bonding process. I had half the Inner Bonding process. Of course, Spirit made sure that we met and helped us put this process together. And it's been evolving for the past 36 years, and it's just been extremely successful in helping people with anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, anger, aloneness, emptiness, addictions, relationships, just so many issues get resolved as people practice inner bonding. 
I had a very similar experience with therapy in general. Even when I was really young, I always felt like I knew what they were doing or I knew what they were going to say. And so I would just kind of say what I knew they wanted to hear. And so I'm wondering, I know a lot of people, I'm not going to give an overhead of all therapy is bad, but I know a lot of people have felt kind of failed by therapy or they don't feel connected to it. What do you think is missing there? Or why do you think that is that people don't always heal from it? Well, when I was in my own psychotherapy, I was never told that I was responsible for my own feelings. And so my victim mentality was supported, which is not at all helpful. And not only was I not told that, but I was told nothing about how to take responsibility for my own feelings. And I was not taught anything about creating a spiritual connection. And I know now after many years that there's no healing without a spiritual connection. We have to have that in order to heal. So those two things are often missing from traditional therapy which uh, they are major parts of the inner bonding process. And so that just, you know, in my experience, it just doesn't work. I have people coming to inner bonding that have said, oh, I've been in therapy for 20 years, and this is the first time that I'm actually getting anywhere. So inner bonding, what is it exactly? How do you describe the, the process of inner bonding to somebody who's never heard about it before? So inner bonding is a six-step pathway that anybody can learn that teaches you how to be present with your feelings. Most people have learned to not be present, be in their head, avoid their feelings because they don't know how to manage them, teaches you to be present, teaches you um, to learn the messages that your feelings are giving you because all our feelings have vital information for us about whether we're loving ourselves or abandoning ourselves, whether other people are being loving or or unloving or not being honest. Um, And it teaches us how to connect with our higher guidance. And if you like, I can briefly go through the six steps, but that's briefly what it does. And, And when people really learn to love themselves, learn to see and value themselves, um, that's when they heal. You know, as long as people think that, that they have to get other people's approval in order to be worthy, um, they're, they're going to be needy. They're going to be codependent. They're not going to know how to fill themselves up and they're going to be anxious. They're going to be depressed because they're abandoning themselves. But inner bonding teaches them the opposite, teaches them how to see and value and love themselves. So they actually have love to share with others. So, so many people get into relationships in order to get love. You know, somebody will love me and then I'll be okay. Then I'll be complete. But relationships, they're a fabulous arena for learning, for healing, for growing. But the the major intention has to be to learn to share our love rather than just trying to get love. And as soon as we're trying to get love, we're trying to control the other person, which creates all sorts of problems. So it's a fantastic process for healing relationships. So before we get into some of these steps, how would you describe self-abandonment and how might somebody know if they're abandoning themselves? Well, I've actually isolated four major ways that people have learned to abandon themselves. Most of us have learned as we were growing up all these four ways. So one, as I mentioned, is because most of us had a lot of pain when we were young, we couldn't manage the pain. And we learned to get up in our head because the feelings are in our body. So being up in our head is a form of self-abandonment, being in our mind and thinking rather than being present. Like if a child came to you upset 
and you're just on your computer or you're reading a book or you're busy and you don't attend, that child's going to feel rejected and abandoned. Well, if we think of our feelings as an inner child, then we can start to see where that's abandoning ourselves. Then most of us have learned to judge ourselves. And, you know, many of them, like I was brought up by critical parents, I learned to judge myself. And of course, again, the analogy of the child, if the child comes to you, you know, upset about something and you say, oh, you know, that's no big deal. What's the matter with you? You know, you shouldn't be crying or, you know, in some way judging the child. The child's going to feel rejected and abandoned. And we do that with ourselves. We judge ourselves. We judge ourselves for our feelings. And that's a form of self-abandonment, self-rejection. Another thing most of us have learned to do is numb out our feelings with various addictions. We'll turn to food or alcohol or, or drugs or various activities, television, our phone, the internet, sex, pornography, shopping, spending. I mean, there's, uh, there's a million video games. There's a million ways that we've learned to numb out and avoid responsibility for our feelings. And a fourth way is what I mentioned that people do in relationships. They hand to somebody else. It's like it's like if you have a child and you don't want to take care of the child and you keep trying to find somebody else to take care of the child and make the child feel okay and safe and worthy. We do that. We say, well, somebody else is supposed to love me. Somebody else is supposed to make me feel worthy and safe. That's a very deep form of self-abandonment, self-rejection. Well, now that I'm clear that I've done all of those things in my life... <laughs> Uh, no, really though, I can relate to all of them in my 20s and it's what really I can see led to my downward spiral and what led to me trying to find all the steps to get out of that. And I know how easy it is to fall into the trap of trying to have other people fix your pain. And sometimes you bury the pain so deep, or at least I did, because of that numbing the feelings or avoiding my emotions. It's buried so deep that I really believe that I'm feeling this because this person did this or because this person isn't giving it to me. But I found that that is so disempowering because then all of my happiness, all of my inner peace is reliant on somebody else doing something that there's like a 50% chance they're not going to do. <laughs> and sometimes even greater, you know, and that's a scary thing. Well, that's right. And what happens if they leave or they die or whatever? I mean, you're just left, you know, with despair when you've been abandoning yourself like that. And one other question I wanted to ask before we get into the steps is, I know you talk about the core self versus the wounded self. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. 
But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know you talk about the core self versus the wounded self. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So th- there's basically two kinds of feelings. Um, there's the feelings we cause. We call those the wounded feelings. This is the anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, anger, aloneness, emptiness, jealousy, uh, feelings like that that are caused by self-abandonment. And then there's the feelings of life, the existential feelings of life. Loneliness, when we want to connect with somebody and somebody's not available, or grief, when we lose somebody we love or we lose a job we love, or or helplessness over how people are treating us or themselves or others, or heartbreak when people are, you know, being mean. Um, these are core painful feelings of life. Outrage over over injustice as opposed to the kind of blaming anger that we feel when we're abandoning ourselves is the blaming anger. But outrage moves us to take action over injustice. Uh, Sorrow when we see people hurting each other. So these are the painful feelings of life. It's our responsibility when we feel the wounded feelings to learn about what we're doing to cause them. And it's also our responsibility to learn how to manage these existential painful feelings of life when you know like i said when we were little we couldn't manage them we had to avoid them they were too big like let's say you lost a parent and nobody was there to help you deal with the pain and the heartbreak and the helplessness and the loneliness of all that you had to avoid those feelings with all the things that we learned to do to abandon ourselves which cause the wounded feelings so now we need to learn to lovingly manage with, with compassion 
those existential painful feelings of life so that we're not so available to abandoning ourselves when they come up. That makes a lot of sense. I lost my dad when I was 19 and I had just gone to college. So I was all on my own in a party culture by myself. Like I used all of those coping strategies to just push it away. And I really believed that this was how you dealt with something with strength. Like I thought I was being strong by not breaking down. And so I know how much it's helped me to learn to kind of take that power back and the power and feeling some of those really raw emotions and feeling super weak for a while so that you could develop the strength or to see what's in it for you. So let's get into some of these steps of the inner bonding to learn the self-healing process to maybe set people up a little bit better than I was set up at that age. So what is step one of inner bonding? Step one is the willingness to feel your feelings. If you're not willing to feel them, you can't even start the process. So step one means that you're learning to be mindful. It's breathing, kind of a meditation of using your breath to get into your body and present with your feelings, sitting with your feelings like you would sit with an upset child and making a decision you want responsibility for them. That's a conscious decision. That's step one. Step two is that we breathe into our heart. And in the inner bonding process, there's only two possible choices of intention. One is the intention to protect against pain with various forms of controlling and self-abandoning behavior, addictive behavior. The other intention is to learn about loving yourself and being able to share love with others. So in step two, we consciously open to learn, starting with loving ourselves. And we learn to invite our higher self, the love and compassion of our higher self into our heart. We have to be in love and compassion and curiosity, which is what creates what we call the loving adult. We have to be a loving adult, not coming from a wounded place. Just like, again, with a child, you don't want to, the child comes to you crying, you don't want to be collapsing and crying. That's not going to help the child. You want to be in your heart with your compassion to be there to help the child. Same thing with the inner child, the feeling self. Then in step three, you're going inside and you're doing a dialogue process. Let's say you're, you're feeling anxious or depressed and um, you're, you're asking what, what you're doing, what you're telling yourself, how you're treating yourself that's causing you to feel this. And then you're going inside and you're letting the feeling speak. Like the anxiety might say, well, you're putting a lot of pressure on me, you're, you're judging me, you're ignoring me, you're ignoring me, you're not listening to me, you don't even know I'm here, you don't see me, I feel all alone. You know, of course I feel anxious. Or if you're feeling depressed, the depressed feeling might say, you pay no attention to me, you shove me down, you don't let me be who I am, I can't express myself at all. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we might learn when we go inside with the true intention to learn about how we're treating ourselves. And then we go a little deeper because in inner bonding, we call our ego, the, our wounded ego self. And this part of us is operating from many fears and false beliefs that we've adopted as we were growing up. So let's say that I'm anxious because I'm judging myself. You gotta do everything right. You better not make a mistake. Well, then I would ask that part of me, why are you judging? Why are you putting this pressure on? And this part might say, well, I gotta motivate myself that way. If I don't motivate myself, then I'll just sit on the couch and I won't do anything. So that's what we call false beliefs. And this is a way of uncovering the false beliefs. And once we understand how we're treating ourselves and what our beliefs are, 
Step four is, again, connecting with our higher self. And this is not as hard as people think it is. It's really about being truly open to learning. When you're really open to learning about love and truth and you're eating well because this is about frequency and we have to be in a high enough frequency. Spirit exists at a higher frequency than we do. So there's a frequency of our body. If you're drinking and smoking and you're eating junk food and you're eating sugar, you're lowering the frequency of your body. And that makes it a whole lot harder to raise it high enough to access your spiritual guide. There's mainly two things we do to raise our frequency. And one is eat well. And the other is be open to learning about loving ourselves. And that opens the heart and raises our frequency. So in step four, I would say, well, what's the truth about whether I have to judge myself and put pressure on myself in order to motivate myself? And my guidance might say, well, no, you know, our essence is innately motivated. Our essence wants to go for the gold. Our essence is, you know, if you look at a little kid, they don't sit on a couch all day. They're motivated to learn and grow and do and create. That's who we really are. And so when we judge ourselves and we pressure ourselves, we're actually limiting ourselves instead of motivating ourselves. And so this is a way to learn the truth. And then I would ask, well, what's loving to me? What does my inner child need from me right now? And my guidance might say, well, take the pressure off. Stop judging. You know, open to learning and accepting, uh, finding out what is, what do you really want to do? What would bring you joy? What's fun for you? Uh, what makes you feel alive? I mean, there's all kinds of loving actions we can take about everything. There's thousands of loving actions. But when we open to learning, we can discover what the loving action would be right now. And then in step five, we take that action. We have to actually take it. And then in step six, we go in and we evaluate. And if we've taken a loving action, we're going to feel a sense of relief. The anxiety is going to go away. We're not going to feel so depressed or angry or guilty or shamed or whatever it is that we're dealing with. And if we're dealing with the existential painful feelings, we're also going to go in and find out, well, what do I do? Let's say somebody's being mean, somebody's yelling at me, and, and you're not used to how to take care of yourself in that situation. You would learn to ask, what's loving to me right now? Do I need to just disengage from this person? Do I need to open to learning with this person? What would be loving to me? And so I encourage people to be learning to asking that question, learning to ask that question all day. What's loving to me right now? What's in my highest good? I ask that all day long. What's in my highest good right now? It's letting our, our higher self, which is here for everybody, be in charge rather than this child or adolescent wounded ego aspect of ourselves that really doesn't know anything, is programmed with so many false beliefs. Wow, there's so much just wisdom in all of that, actionable wisdom, really. So I want to break it down a little bit. I want to go back to step one when we're just talking about that willingness. I know from experience, especially in the beginning of my journey of just healing myself, is that it's harder than is just expressed because a lot of people have pain from things that they had no control over, that somebody else inflicted upon them. And so a lot of people have beliefs about their pain, and then they have a really hard time taking responsibility for their feelings. So what are the steps to get out of that? Like, how do we grapple with the idea of like, just because we're taking responsibility for where we're going from here doesn't mean we're letting the other person off the hook or whatever? <laughs> Yeah, it's not a matter of letting anybody off the hook. It's a matter of no longer treating ourselves the way that others treated us. This is one of the problems is that 
like I was judged a lot, criticized a lot. It was various forms of abuse. I was treating myself the same way currently. And so, of course, I was miserable and then thinking that it was coming from the past, but I was doing it right now. And so it's not a matter of getting people off the hook. It's not a matter of condoning the past behavior, but it's in the past. We don't have any control over whether people are sorry they did it, whether they apologize, whether they continue to do it or not. We don't have control, but we do have control over our own intention. And so most of our pain is actually coming from how we're treating ourselves now, not from the past. I know it seems easier to go into the past and blame, but that keeps us victimized and completely stuck. And so if we really want to move out of those painful, wounded feelings, we got to look at how we're treating ourselves now, currently. Right. It's like the damage has been done. Are you going to continue to give that power away over how you presently feel? So it's not about giving them a pass for doing something terrible. It's about, are you going to let what they did then continue to affect your happiness and your frequency right now? Because that's going to affect even more. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect what you attract into your life. So that makes so much sense. And step two, we talked about really choosing to learn what you might be thinking or doing that's causing your wounded feelings. But what if you feel really closed off to learning for some reason? How do we start to open ourselves up to learning a new way? You know, we have free will. And the essence of free will is that we get to choose our intention moment by moment. It's not like we choose it once and that's it. So in any given moment, we might be closed off. And then we might want to notice how badly we feel when we're closed off, how we feel, uh, how, how abandoned we feel, how alone we feel, how anxious or depressed we feel, might want to notice what the consequences are of being closed off. Because when we're closed off, our heart's closed, our whole system is closed, no love can come in. And we're just left so alone inside, so abandoned inside. So we might want to notice that. And that might be motivating to shift your intention into learning about what's loving to you. But nobody can force us to do this. One of the things I found with all these years that I've been working with clients is many, many people are very resistant to loving themselves. They, they just, they don't want that. They think it's hard. They think it's a big responsibility. They think it's a huge burden. And these are all false beliefs because it's actually not. But they're resistant. No, I had a lousy childhood. It's not, why should I have to do it now? Now it's somebody else. Somebody else owes me. Somebody else should be doing it. Well, one of the things that I had to come to at some point was to accept the fact that there wasn't a single other adult on the planet that wanted the job of taking care of my feelings. Not one. That was not easy to come to. So when I started to practice inner bonding, I was not in good shape. I was ill. I felt like a victim. Uh, I, my life was kind of falling apart at that point. And so when I started to practice inner bonding, my inner child, I let my inner child one day get furious at me. And she just yelled and said, when is it my turn? You're taking care of everybody else. I was a caretaker. I was just abandoning me and, and taking care of everybody else. You know, when is it my turn? When are you going to care about me? When, when do you even notice me? When are you going to stop treating me the way mom and dad? did and really uh, a lot of rage came out and I made two life-changing decisions that day and I'll never forget it one was that I was willing to be hurt 
I knew that I had been hurt many times and I was no longer willing to protect against it because it was causing me so much pain to close off and to protect against hurt. And the other, which was really tough, was that I was willing to lose everybody else, but I was no longer willing to lose me because I was lost. I was taking care of my husband, my kids, my parents, my clients, everybody. I knew I was going to die, actually. I was getting so sick because you can't keep giving yourself up and survive. And so I had to make a decision, which was really, really hard, that I was willing to lose everybody else rather than lose me. And the really hard part about it was that as I started to take care of myself, started to love myself, the very things that I was afraid of happened. I lost my 30-year marriage because my husband was not willing to let go of my caretaking. My children, my three kids were mad, and my parents disowned me. And so it was the hardest time in my life, and yet I got my health back. I got my vibrancy back. I felt joy for the first time in my life. I got my creativity. My work started to soar. And so I can't say to people, you got to make the same decisions I made because I can't tell you that it was easy to make those decisions. But as I look back, it's the best decisions I ever made in my whole life. I got me back. I got my aliveness, my vitality, everything. And it was so worth it. So I know people come from a lot of fear of learning to love themselves. And I understand that fear because I was terrified to find out that the people who said they loved me really didn't. And that's what I found out. And that's really hard to find that out, that they love me because what I gave them, not because of who I am. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard. And sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. On one hand, that's so terribly difficult. On the other hand, it just reminds me about how humans tend to go for the familiar, regardless of if it's having a positive or negative 
influence or effect on their life. And so just because all those things were familiar to what you knew, there's going to be a difficult transition period out of that. But all it does is open you up for the things and people that really are going to create love and love you for who you are instead of having to keep up this facade or this other person that you are. And as we were talking in my own healing process, one of the things that I realized I was doing when I thought I was on that healing path, I changed so many of my habits. I was treating myself differently. And I was like, wow, I'm really on the path to self-love. But the trick was, or where I was getting caught up is that there would be days where I wouldn't do those things or I would slip or I'd make a mistake and I would get so down on myself that I realized I was only loving myself if I was being the person that I was trying to create. But I wasn't loving all the parts of myself, which is what I kind of wanted to dive deeper into step three. You talk about opening our arms to all aspects of ourselves, our wounded aspects, as well as our core self. But if our goal of inner bonding is to really integrate all the parts of ourselves, why do we first need to separate out the various parts of ourselves to heal them individually, if that makes sense? Yeah, so yes, we do want to integrate. Um, the, the whole goal is to kind of have a flow between your higher self, your heart, which is your loving adult, your feelings, your inner child, and, and to have a, an integrated flow going on. But in order to achieve that, you've got to start to see these individual parts. You've got to start to understand that your feelings have information for you so that you can address those feelings. You need to be in touch with the programmed wounded part of you that exists in the lower part of the brain, the amygdala. With all of those false beliefs, we have to access those. We have to heal those. We, we can't do that unless we start to tune into these aspects of ourselves with an intention to learn. And we want to be developing our loving adult, which is our place of power. This is the part of us that can take action for ourselves, loving action. And we do that by cultivating our relationship with our higher guidance. And so as you do inner bonding and you separate out these parts, eventually through the practice, it, it, you don't feel a separation anymore. It's like at this point, it, it's so natural for me to just be flowing between my inner guidance, which is my feelings, my hired guidance, my loving adult. I hardly feel a separation of all those parts. And because I've been doing this for so long, my wounded self is very quiet. It's rare for my wounded self to make it an appearance because I don't listen to her. I, I don't believe her. She doesn't know anything. She knows I'm not going to listen to her. So at some point she got pretty quiet and kind of went into my heart and said, okay, you do a better job of, of keeping us safe than I do and kind of let go. And so as that happened, I didn't need to separate out so much. But at the beginning, I needed to do that. So when we're having these dialogues with our the different parts of ourselves in the beginning, one question I have is how to be sure which part of yourself you're talking to, whether it's the core self or the wounded self. And I also ask, because for part of this pregnancy, my listeners know I've had kind of a difficult time with pregnancy. My emotions have been all over the place. I've been nauseous most of the time. So it's been like going back to step one and part of my healing journey in general and the amount of times that I've realized I was getting on myself for 
you know, feeling like I should be beyond this, or I thought I healed this and now all these thoughts are coming back or whatever. And there was times in the beginning where it wasn't so clear about which part of me I was talking to. And normally I know if I'm talking to the victim or not, but I just felt so justified in what I was feeling. So is there a way to be clear with what part of yourself that you're dialoguing with? So it's important to understand that our inner child, our core self, is um, that's a source of inner guidance. And this part of us often communicates through feelings, sometimes through words, but mostly through feelings. Our wounded self is not a feeling aspect. Our wounded self is a thought aspect that's, like I said, in the lower part of the brain programmed with false beliefs. So when we're connected with our feelings, we're connected with our inner child, our inner guidance. When we're in our mind and thoughts are coming from our mind, we're in our wounded self. When we're connected with our higher guidance, our thoughts are actually coming through our mind, not from our mind. And it takes time to discern the difference. But at any given moment, we're either operating out of our ego wounded self or we're operating out of our loving adult. And so if you're feeling anxious or depressed or angry or guilty or shamed or any of those feelings, you know your intention is to control and you're operating out of your wounded self. If you're feeling peaceful, if you're feeling full inside, if you're feeling alive, if you're feeling productive and joyful, then you know that you're taking loving care of yourself and your loving adults in charge. So now I want to go a little deeper into step four. This is where I'm living right now, actually, in my current life is really learning to access my spiritual guidance and raising my frequency, especially while carrying this baby. It's become even more important to me. Isn't it funny how when somebody else is involved, it's so much easier to make it a priority? (laughs) Well, you mentioned eating well, doing that. What are some other quick ways? Like say we're in a, a minor slump and we're just like, I need to get out of this and We don't feel like going and grabbing an organic banana or whatever. (laughs) What are some other ways that we can just level up our frequency quickly? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, you have to be aware of your intention. If your intention is to control, your frequency is not going to go high enough. So choosing the intention to learn is vital. But, you know, being out in nature, nature has a very high frequency. I love to walk and dialogue, do my inner bonding work out in nature. uh, For me, it makes it very easy. Listening to beautiful music moving, dancing, talking to a good friend who can support you, being with animals. There's all kinds of ways of supporting our higher frequency. But, oh, and meditation and prayer, all of that's helpful. But it's important to understand that you can do all of that. But if your intention is to control and avoid and protect, it's not going to do any good. So you, you, you need to have that intention. But sometimes we need a boost like being out in nature or listening to beautiful music or reading a spiritual book or, you know, going to a 12-step meeting or things like that that can support us. So I know you also talk about just trusting the process and the answers will come. What should people expect? How do you feel your answers? I'm sure that it's different for a lot of people depending on how they connect to that spiritual guidance, but how do you personally receive that information and how do you know that that's where it's coming from. So I receive it in a number of ways. When I'm working with people, I'm always just allowing my guidance to come through. I'll get information in words. I'll get it in pictures. Sometimes I'll get a whole hologram of something that's going on with a person. When it's about me, I often hear it in words, but I often 
also hear it in pictures. I may get it in feelings. Spirit has many ways of communicating with us. And that's why it's so important to stay open. It may be a feeling. It may be a thought popping into your mind that feels right to you. It may be an image that lightens you up. It may come through a dream. It may come, you might be talking to somebody and you hear yourself say the answer to a question that you've been asking when you're talking to somebody else. Or it it may come, you open a book and it's there. So there's many ways that spirit communicates with us. For me, it's mostly very quiet words, not, not loud. Occasionally spirit's been very loud when it's like a life and death situation. Spirit gets really loud for me. But normally it's quiet, lots of feelings, lots of images is the way my guidance communicates with me. So step five is all about taking the loving action that we receive or the ideas and inspiration that we receive from step four. And you talked about some really great examples of loving actions. One thing I found that I used to have a harder time with is when it's one thing if I'm like, okay, I'm feeling down. How do I lift myself up? Or what would really make me feel loved right now? But where it gets trickier is when you're caught in that dynamic with another person. And when you're in the middle of it and say you're with your partner and it's like, he should be saying this or I want him to say this or he's not doing this, she, he, whoever that person is for you. Is there a way that you can use that as a trigger before you fall into the whole dynamic of codependency (laughs) to kind of get yourself out of that and bring it back to giving yourself the loving action instead of expecting it from somebody else? One of the things that is important to understand when you're in a dynamic with somebody that's not a loving dynamic is that we don't hear each other. We don't hear each other when we're in our wounded self. Wounded self is a lower part of the brain that actually is not at all interested in hearing what you have to say. Just, I want to just say what I have to say. I need to be right. I need to win. And so it's not a good time to try and resolve anything. And so what I tell people if they're in any kind of conflict with somebody, and this takes practice too, it's not like you're going to just be able to do it right away, is that there's only two loving actions. One is you can try opening to learning, saying to the person, you know, there must be a good reason that you're upset and I'd like to understand what's going on. But usually if people are in their wounded self, they're not available for that. The only other loving action is to what I call lovingly disengage, which is to recognize that we're not going to get anywhere right now that trying to win or be right or convince or defend or or explain or lecture or anything, try and get the other person to do what we want them to do or hear us isn't going to work. And so at that point, it's really loving to say, you know, I don't think we're going to get anywhere. Let's take a 10 minute break. Let's take a half an hour break. I'll check in with you in a bit and go in and do our own inner work at that point, do our own inner bonding process at that point, get ourselves into an open state where we're not taking the other person's behavior personally, we're not feeling, uh, you know, hurt feelings about it. We've dealt with the, the heartache that we might feel, the loneliness we might feel as a result of this interaction. And we're ready to learn. And at that point, we can come back to the other person and say, you know, I, I'd really like to see if we can talk about this. Now, if the person's open, great, you'll have a great conversation. If they're not, you have to let it go until they are. And if it's a situation where a decision has to be made, sometimes you have to make it yourself, like what would be loving to you. 
if they're not going to be available to discussing it with you. And, and again, that's accepting our helplessness over others. That, this is a very hard feeling to accept our helplessness over others being open or being closed. But, you know, if you come to somebody that you love and you want to discuss something and they're just not available, there's nothing we can do. And so we have to be very compassionate. And, uh, you know, I say to my little girl, honey, I know you're feeling so helpless. You want this person to open, but there's nothing we can do. But I'm here and you're not alone and spirit's here. And so now we're going to look at what we can do for ourselves about this. Often I will try to stop myself. I'm pretty good now at this point in my life when I'm not feeling good in some way. I'm pretty good now at realizing, okay, what needs to change? Like take a step back, disengage from what I'm doing. And I'm really grateful to have a husband who does work on himself and is open to learning things as much as I am. So it feels much more like a spiritual partnership, which I'm so grateful for. And one of the things that's been so helpful for us is allowing each other our humanness. Like there are times that I am a toddler, you know, like I don't act as my best self. And there's times when he's said things snappy back. And I found in past relationships, what tends to happen is that we then hold each other to that. Even after the apology, it's like, yeah, but you said this that one time. But instead it's like, allow each other your humanness, allow each other those emotional outbursts because we humans have this tendency to not like to accept the fact that a lot of our actions are completely invalid. Like They're just an emotional response. It's not logical. And we don't like to not feel logical. And so then we spend all this time justifying these illogical things, trying to make them logical. And in the process, we end up creating a personality within ourselves that's like stuck to these bad habits. And so instead, we're, we are very good at just being like, okay, yeah, you were emotional at that point, whatever, that's gone. So that's been really helpful for me. And on the sixth step that we've talked about, really evaluating the effectiveness of your actions, what are some of the questions that you as a loving adult can ask your inner child to really help along this evaluation process? Yeah, it's basically like going back to step one, asking how do I feel right now? You know, if I feel some relief, if I feel less shame, less guilt, less anger, if I feel fuller inside, less empty inside, then I know that I've taken a loving action. So it's, it's really going back into our feelings and just asking, well, you know, how do you feel right now? Well, this was such an effective process. I, I can just see how there's some of the things that I've done naturally. Well, not really naturally. It's taken like 13 years to identify things that worked, but then it's also added, added so much more depth and, and just actionable steps for listeners to take if they're going through something or even just the everyday disturbances that we have with ourselves, with our partners. So is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered that you really like listeners to know? I just want people to know that anybody can learn this process if they want to, that it's, it's such a life-changing process. Yes, it takes practice, but it's, it's, not, it's not that hard to learn. And it's just so worth it. It's so life-changing when people really decide that they want to learn to love themselves. And to be able to share love is, to me, the highest experience in life. And we can't share love if we're not filled up with love. And we get filled up with love when we learn to love ourselves. So 
You know, if you want to have loving relationships, it's essential that you learn to love yourself. Well, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you've shared and for just really taking to your higher self to bring this wisdom to everybody else. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your process, where's the best place that they can connect with you? Yeah, they can go to innerbonding.com. There's phone number, there's email, there's a free course that they can take a free seven day course where they can start to learn inner bonding. I have, you know, many books on inner bonding and I have a wonderful course called love yourself, a 30 day course, a lot of courses, a lot of ways I do intensives for people who really want to go deep. I work with individuals and couples. And so there's many, many ways and you can find out about them at innerbonding.com. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 180. Your challenge for this week is to tune into that voice of your inner child. You will know her because she's often that voice that sounds, you guessed it, like a child. <laughs> for me, it's the voice I tend to filter out. I have a mini tantrum in my head. I take a deep breath and then I respond appropriately. Most of the time. What I found is that I was so used to filtering her out that I was forgetting to stop and listen to what those core needs are. It might come out like a tantrum, but there's usually an underlying belief or wound that needs attention. And that's why she's raising her voice. She doesn't always have the best way to handle these wounds, but she's going to let you know that they're there. And that's when you need to take your reparenting skills or your self-mothering skills and attend to the needs of that child. Learning to reparent ourselves is a skill that really everyone needs. Some of us didn't have the best childhoods or didn't have parents that really properly parented us in the first place. And so there's a lot that we need to go back to in order to fulfill the needs of that original child. Others of us had great parents. However, they took such good care of us that we never really learned how to parent ourselves. So we maybe started making bad decisions or we pushed back against our bedtime or we neglected to tend to the wounds of our last breakup or something bigger like a sexual assault. When we let these wounds go untouched, they usually manifest into something bigger. For me, that was an eating disorder and a lot of bad decisions. So this week, don't overwhelm yourself. You don't need to have it all figured out. Just start with that awareness. Listen to what those mini inner tantrums are. Write them down. Sit in stillness with those thoughts and see what comes up. And then start asking yourself those questions. What do I need right now to heal this? What do I need to feel whole? What do I wish someone would say to me in this moment? And as you start getting the answers, your intuition is powerful like that, start giving yourself those things. We're finally becoming more active in the Mind Love Facebook group called the Mind Love Mastermind. And you can find that just by going to mindlove.com slash FB group. So we're trying to post the weekly challenges there so that we can ask each other questions, get some feedback. And of course, if you have any questions for me, I will be hopping in to answer those as well. You can also always reach out to me at mindlovemelissa on Instagram. And for you empaths out there, you can find me on TikTok at MindLoveMelissa. All my TikTok content right now is catered towards you empaths. So join me there. 
There's lots of ways to support the show if Mind Love is helpful for you. The best way is by joining Mind Love Premium by going to mindlove.com slash premium. You get extra episodes and monthly meditations. You can also support my amazing sponsors. All of my sponsors are things that I actually love. I say no to all the ones that I don't, so it's pre-vetted by me. And the freest way to support the show is just by sharing or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So I'm so grateful for all of you for being here today with me. Hope to see you in that Facebook group. And as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 